Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Hello, Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey, what's going on? That's right. It's Monday. It's April 2nd. You're watching episode 232 of Collider Heroes. I'm John Schnapp. We are going to get extra sweaty today with a power-packed panel. Starting over, Ooh. we got Jay Washington. We got Robert Meyer Burnett. We got John Roca all in the house. Woo. And we are going to talk about superhero films of 2018. Are they falling apart? What is happening with superhero films? I mean, I, see, I feel like all of last year we're like, man, 2018 is going to be fantastic. We've got this movie. We've got three X-Men movies. No, we've got two X-Men movies. No, we've got one X-Men. It's like we are counting down movies that are just disappearing from the slate. We keep hearing troubled reports from sets from every set except for Marvel. They seem to be like, we can't get a troubled report. Can we make some up, something up about Marvel? Yeah. What is going on? So what are your thoughts about what it, like X-Men Aquaman, what do you think is happening with other other franchises besides Marvel? Let's start with you, Robert. Well, you know, I think people are starting to take superhero movies for granted. They're just assuming they're going to be good. They just expect them to be good. Movies are very difficult to make, and and, and superhero films. Let's let's not be. They are fantasy movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look at movies like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You look at the Harry Potter films. You know, you these are these are films that require enormous resources to produce and enormous talent both in front of and behind the camera and just because the marvel cinematic universe turns out hit after hit after hit and sometimes warner brothers does with with i mean look as much as i don't like suicide squad it made a lot of money uh aquaman is a hugely I, i can't even imagine what kind of difficulties they're having with underwater creating an underwater world right in every single shot uh so we have to remember that it's a huge, enormous undertaking and difficult to pull off well. And the fact that we're getting as many great fantasy films that we're getting, as many great superhero films, we do live in a, in a time where uh, we're seeing wonders on the screen, but never forget how hard it is to bring those wonders to the screen and do it well. Definitely. So I think that's what people need to remember. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking back about Hall H. We were talking about this last week with the preview screening for Aquaman where we saw, like, wasn't really, I wouldn't say a trailer. It was more like a series, a couple of scenes. But it definitely had this kind of, like, swashbuckling action-adventure theme to it. And we got to see Atlanteans riding, like, all kinds of crazy underwater animals mm. and ma- giant mantas. It's, it's giant in scope. It's, it is definitely an epic um, so it's very easy to hear about like reports coming from you know we had a screening in uh, you know this in Topanga and like some little nerd kid hated you know this one thing or what or you know someone mm-hmm. not even a nerd kid I would say somebody who's outside of that realm just an average film goer was like we're screening yeah, that's how they do those screenings we're screening a special film it's an action adventure then you go and oh my god I'm seeing an, an Aquaman movie what are your thoughts about all this kind of test screenings and and cancellations well test screenings I I'm not as um adamant against them as you are. And I respect your point of view, John. I've, I've heard it numerous times on the other side here, hearing your thoughts. And I, and I understand where you're coming from and how, why you feel this way. But I also think, like, we're trying to sell the movie to that person, you know, the person in Sheboygan or wherever that's watching it in a mall, because they, they, we're all going to go who are into it. They already know they got our money. It's they want to get that middle America money. They want to get the money of the people who aren't reading all this stuff day and night all the time, 24-7. So they got to make sure it appeals to them as well to make the most amount of money. And I think what you say, Robert, is interesting because <clears throat> I think what they're seeing now, what studios are seeing now in a way that's really incredible the last 10 years is these superhero films are now propping up these studios. Yes. Right. So there's mm-hmm. way more thought process, way more worry, concern, overthinking about these films. Nobody gave a crap that Crow was going to do well or not or Blade was going to do well or not to save the studio. But things like this, especially Disney, I know they have Star Wars, but now Star Wars is an IP that's kind of up in the air again. So they're really focused on making sure this Marvel thing works. Now with Warner Brothers... Well, look at the, what's happening with that. Well, like there's multiple executives that have been coming in over the last few years, replacing, replacing, replacing. And now we hear these rumors about Aquaman. I'd heard it was a great test screening. Now we're hearing it might be too dark or it might be this or that. But so that, that's the unfortunate perils of living in the time that we live is anything. Like we just saw recently with the Deadpool thing, two things. My friend of a friend went to the screening and said this. I'm a blogger. Now I'm going to blurt it all over the place so I can get clicks and, and, and mess up. And these people don't care that they mess up movies, mess up people's lives, mess right. up studios executives getting fired they don't give a crap because they're trying to put it some kind of footprint in the internet world in the in the uh, pundit world of in, in the internet and so that to me worries me but this is what's happening now and i think the studios are trying to adjust quickly no differently than we all do as human beings with changing technology right. every damn year so it's so much now that goes into this that never went into it like 10 years ago i, I agree with all your points i feel like uh off very well camera, said by the way well, thanks man. we were uh, we were we were talking a little <laughs> off camera about like you know destination uh, dates yeah and, like studios lock down these dates um, we were talking about there's many different reasons they lock down these dates. But uh, when a studio does lock down a date and then changes it and then changes it again is when you have this kind of like this kind of, uh, you know, outrage mm. because people are looking forward to they are setting up expectations. Yeah. It's not like, hey, w- why not just wait until we've shot the movie and then let people know in six months that we're going to do that. They're getting outside financing. They're setting up. Right. They're letting all types of things happen over the next six, seven mm-hmm. years. Like, look at our slate of films. That's why you want to be, be friends with me because I got all this amazing stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. And so what my question is, when things are changed way down the line, like mm-hmm. after we've known about the New Mutants, after they've shot the New Mutants, after I've seen a trailer for the New Mutants, mm. after the date is literally where I'm like, I can, I can touch, I have a poster <laughs> yeah. or something, and they're like, nah, 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 we're not, we're not going to put that out. And that other film, we're also not going to put that out. And then, so these bouncing things, how does that affect everybody? 
it affects, especially when you're building the universe, it definitely affects. We're talking about Fox, where they're trying to get out everything they have before this deal becomes official with Disney. Right. Yeah. So they're like, look, we need to get out New Mutants, X-Men, hopefully go back to Gambit for some God-unknown reason. Right. You know, all these things. But people are still going to go see them regardless. You're going to have those, like Roker was saying, the bloggers who are going to, I'm mad that they're pushing the dates back. Mm-hmm. But regardless, people are going to go see these movies. Right. They want to see these movies. Now, people forget, too, behind the scenes, things happen. Reshoots happen no matter what. Right. Marvel films have reshoots. We just don't hear about them, and we don't because when we even if we did hear about them, we'd be like, "Oh, it's normal." Right. Whereas opposed to when we hear about with a DC film or a Fox film, mm-hmm. we automatically jump to say, "Oh, they're reshooting it. It's got to be horrible." That's not always the case. But also, we forget with test screenings as well. They're not always just for these fans to get the money. These are the executives who are like, "Yeah, maybe you can do something else." Maybe you can add this. Maybe you could take away that. Mm-hmm. And that's what pushes more reshoots to happen. Yeah. The director has an idea what they want to do. This is the movie I want to put out for people. We got this date set. It can come out this date. We're good. The executives look up and see it and they're like, nah, why don't you change this and that and third? So well, I think it, change, it doesn't change the average moviegoer's perspective of they're going to go see it regardless. Mm-hmm. We can, they can complain all they want. Oh, they pushed it back. We can complain right now that, yeah, New Mutants and Dark Phoenix are pushed back to damn the 2019. Right. It does not matter when those movies come out, whether they're good or bad, people are still going to spend money to go see them. That's the end result. But I guess the end result, even though people are going to go spend their money and see them, will they be critically accepted and like I mean because if Dark Fox Phoenix is already just, under scrutiny no matter what. If they if Dark Phoenix came out this year and they just went with the ending, they're like, "Look, we're going to finish it the way it is. We don't want to bring all of the cast back who half of them are on Game of Thrones. We don't mm. want that headache. We're just going to we're going to stick to the plan and we're going to put that out and you know, we're going to make the my smaller changes which they could do by editing and fixing you know, it's like they wouldn't have gone into production if they're like the script, we don't even know what we're shooting in the last 30. The last act we'll just make it up while we go. Obviously they, you know, it was written uh, and, uh, you know, sets were built, costumes were made. It wasn't just like, we are just kind of walking around and like, oh, they don't like the ending. It's those are the things that like really kind of trigger me. I'm like, let's let's put up this pic. Offices filled with executives, filled with a toilet bowl, filled with money, <laughs> cash going down the tube. That's how I feel. I mean, I'm, 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 wow. Not necessarily D.C., um, that yeah, you better make sure so you stress that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, just put any any logo on there, and it, that's what that's what uh, is. It, it feels like um, a lot of a lot of these uh, studios are definitely like not in touch with what is making these uh, big Marvel event mm-hmm. films pop off, and that is the characters, and they're not giving the flavor of the characters. That it's not just a bunch of nerds from a comic book store. It's 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 the people who who all of us now. Ten years ago, you can say ten years ago maybe that was the case, but ten years later, yeah. it's the entire planet. All right, it's everybody mm-hmm. loves the Marvel films. That's why Avengers: Infinity War is going to be the biggest film of this year, if not of the ever. You know, it's sort of like because everyone is following and invested in this soap opera of superheroes. It's a soap opera, and that's all comic books have ever been. Mm-hmm. They're extended stories. As uh, you're reading a story of, of, of people who are all hanging out together, experiencing some kind of adventure, some kind of quest some kind of storyline that's what all these movies are how do we reconnect 
the failing executives of, of certain things with what Marvel seems to be doing flawlessly. I mean, we, we don't even need to really talk about Marvel except as something that's already set an example. Mm-hmm. You could see that DC did the reverse engineering. They're like, just have everybody with Just League and then we'll do the individual movies. And from the get, since they announced it at Comic-Con, everyone on this panel is like, that's the wrong approach. You do, you introduce the Flash, you introduce mm-hmm. Aquaman, you introduce Wonder Woman, then you have Just League. You introduce the new Batman, not in a combo film. What do you think, Robert? Well, you know, it's interesting, too. I just went back, and I've been doing my, as, as one does, my re-watch of the Marvel Cinematic Universe preparing for Infinity War. And the other night, I watched Captain America, the first Avenger. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I had forgotten what a wonderful movie that really yes. is. And, and how the, the first 30 minutes of that film is all Steve Rogers becoming Steve Rogers and meeting... Uh, Stanley Tucci's character and and even the relationship that they have. There's that great scene the night before he's going to be injected with the super soldier serum and right. Stanley Tucci brings in the, the bottle of booze, the hooch to share with him and he, Steve Rogers is like, well, I can't drink that. And he's like, you're right, I'll drink them both. And, and there's just this, it's a wonderful moment in a superhero movie between these two men, you know, that are, that are, that are relating to one another as people. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe is full of those things. And that's why people love those movies is because those characters, even Steve Rogers, Captain America himself, is relatable to everybody. Tony Stark, same thing. Crisis of Conscience in Iron Man 1. He, he's almost killed by his own device, mm-hmm. by a Stark Industries weapon. Right. And he w- doesn't want to do that anymore. And so w- these are people that we like. And that's why it works. And they forget this. It's all, <laughs> let's make it all action-packed and zip-zang, boom-pow, everything's going to blow up. But like we have the dinner scene in Age of Ultron, I've always said we could do a whole movie with the Avengers having dinner and people would watch it because you love those characters. Mm. And I don't think people understand that. I don't think the other executives understand that before you have a superhero, you have to have a person. Right. It's a person who inhabits that superhero. And you've got to like that person before you're going to like the hero they become. Like you said, you just eliminate that. Sorry, John. You eliminate that, the person. Mm. These other execs are like, it's the action. Everybody just wants to see the action. Everybody just wants to see the the explosions, the big fights and all that. Like, no, we've attached to the characters. Mm. Like in Civil War, when War Machine falls to the ground, you forget forget about the battle Mm. And you're concerned about Rhodey mm-hmm. right. at the time. You see that, that emotion with Tony Stark when you have uh, Falcon walk up to him and he just doesn't even look and blast him. Mm-hmm. You see that emotion in the characters. It's three different characters. You see Falcon like, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I didn't even do this. Yeah. I'm sorry this happened. You see Don Cheadle in there. You don't know if he was dead until you hear his vitals are weak. Right. You forget about the battle, the action you saw, and you remember the characters like what Robert mm-hmm. was saying. But I also think, uh, John, if I could throw in something yeah. here, I also think it's if you look at the history of film, right? This is, and I may be going way out of the league of the people who are watching, but if you do your research, look at MGM. In the 50s, they cornered the musicals. They were known for making the most amazing musicals. Other studios tried to do musicals that would be as good as MGM. Like Singing in the Rain. Right, right. And they could, they're Singing in the Rain. There's <laughs> multiple ones you can reference. American and, Paris. And they could never quite get there. And there are a lot of like also ran musicals from that time that don't come close to being in the top 10. And it's because they didn't have.
have the personnel, they didn't have the knowledge, they didn't have the understanding. And sometimes it's just a combination of factors that allow for a studio to do really well in a certain genre or a certain type of approach that just works and yields the best results. And I think you see that happening with this Marvel situation with Disney and Marvel because obviously they're not doing that well on the Star Wars side of things now all of a sudden, right? That's now un- in- unbalanced with how the fans have reacted to The Last Jedi. Well, but, but not, well, not at the box part, office, though. Right, right. But Marvel, for the most part, is doing well and keeps increasing at the right. box office, whereas Star Wars has been decreasing at the box well, office. And that's the thing. I, that's a good point. I, and off the, t- off the subject, who did Oliver? Was that MGM or what company did that musical? I think that's, that's Warner Brothers. Yeah. 60s. That's a great yeah. musical. So, I mean, I know musicals are back now because of, what's that one? Oh, Greatest Jack Showman. Yeah, Greatest yeah, yeah. Showman. Still and La La refusing Land. to see that. No, eventually I'll La see La that. Land, right, yeah. La La Land was a lot of fun. Um, but you brought up a good point as far as like creating a, you know, a, a reason to like these characters. Wonder Woman did a great job by like emulating elements of Superman, the movie, where you are actually get enough to care about these characters before they do, you know, these crazy, you know, flights of fancy or before they become superhuman. You actually have to uh, believe the human part of them to become invested. And I feel, I feel Captain America also took elements of that take your time mm-hmm. with developing who Steve Rogers is. Just like mm-hmm. Superman, you're on Krypton for 20 minutes, and then you're in Smallville, not for a long po- I like recently saw Superman the movie again on the big screen, and it's a fantastic movie. A lot of people say, oh, it's too slow, it's too this. I don't know, well, get, get a little used to watching movies. I mean, because it's not <laughs> slow. It's actually a fantastic, amazingly yeah. well-paced film. It's like, that's what I mean. I mean, I feel like so many people are like, oh, it's just got to go, it's got to move. It's like, no, you take your time and develop the character. Characters. That is the most single important part of any of this. That's why I'm looking forward to seeing how the Russo brothers develop Thanos. Because like they've said multiple times, they want him to be the Darth Vader, but they need him to matter. They need him to have a core reason. You need to, like the best villains, be on the villain's side. Mm-hmm. You need to empathize with the villain before they flip and turn on you. And then you're back with the heroes. You need to understand why the villain is the villain and you, so that if you were man I might be the villain too if I, if that happened yeah. to me you need to, and then they just go that extra step they do the wrong thing instead of the right thing and that's what puts most people on the right side just like that you know you're a step away from becoming the joker i mean harvey dent has that you know you're like yeah. one step away the joker's trying to push you to become that and harvey dent before he becomes two-faced has that line you're either the hero or the villain so i mean look i mean i feel Go ahead. Well, like the, the, the one of the great scenes in Batman v Superman is when Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne meet at Luther's party. Mm. You know, oh, and Luther's like introducing it to him why Clark Kent doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is. That's right. neither here nor there. <laughs> Won't get into that. But but but, but their banter, that scene. <laughs> Is great, and and when they when they throw double entendres at one another, you love scenes like that. Those are some of the greatest scenes in the movie. People forget in one of the great James Bond films in Goldfinger, Goldfinger plays golf. I mean, with Bond, mm-hmm. they play golf. Our Goldfinger plays golf with James Bond, and it's a great scene. They're yeah. they're they're battling each other on the golf course. Today, some kid be like. Why, why are they on the golf course? Because it was awesome. Because that was unexpected. Hans Gruber. 
You know, they spend time when he's interviewing yep. Mr. Takagi. Sorry, mm-hmm. nice suit, John Phillips, London. I have it too, too like it myself. Rumor has it, Arafat Bice is there. I'm sure half the audience is going, what? But it's awesome, and that's why you love Hans Gruber as a villain. Well, I mean, even if, if some people watching it didn't understand that, they'll take note and look that up later. I feel like it's like those are things you can't second-guess somebody and say, I'm not going to inform the audience about something I don't think they know about. Guess what? Most people learn. Let's apply it to the current movies, what we're talking about with Marvel DC. Guardians of the Galaxy. The relationship we had to learn with Rocket and the other members of the team. Mm-hmm. You had to learn about Rocket. You knew, oh, it's Bradley Cooper. It's fun. Right. But Rocket, when they were in the bar on Nowhere, and him and Drax had that altercation, and he was getting emotional. Right. You cared about the emotion Rocket had at that moment. You cared about the emotion Drax develops when he calls Ronan in. Right. You learn about the characters and not just the action. You start to care. Mm-hmm. Even, even Ronan's plot. Even the reason Roman is playing, excuse me, while he, why he's doing this. Yeah. He's sure. a Cree. He hates the Zandarians. Yeah. He hates what happened. And now we're going to get to see a younger Ronan yeah. beforehand. Yes. I mean, so like the kind of the, the, the weaving of this fabric that is the Marvel Universe now, they're getting a chance to play off all the things that they're setting up mm-hmm. because they have an entire cohesive universe. Those are the things that you want other studios who are trying to do this kind of shared universe type of thing to do. Um, like, look, I mean, here's something like when you think about comic books, they have the most amazing production design. I mean, that's the, they, they have the storyboards, if you want to think about, and stories laid out for decades. I mean, that's the kind of thing where if studio executives are like, we just bought the, you know, we just bought the shambles universe. Well, who's in the shambles universe? We've got this character. We've got this character, this other character. This character was, has been around for 100 issues. We, 20 issues of this character is, is really popular right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the things where they're like, they hire writers to break a story, to do this or that. But it's sort of like, it's always amazing to me when you you see people not looking at already what already exists within the Marvel or the DC or the image universes from the artists and writers who have created those stories and using those as literal jumping off points. Cause that's kind of what you should be doing. You should, that's what Marvel does. The new Marvel regime takes the best from the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies and eighties and nineties and puts it all together. That's what we're getting. Well, look at like the beginning of Ant-Man, you know, the Triskelion, <laughs> you see a, a de-aged Michael Douglas, right. and there's this great scene, which was great. You know, suddenly you're seeing, oh my God, like the tri- this is the past we saw it destroyed mm-hmm. in, in, mm-hmm. in 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 Winter Soldier, and, and and this is the same place. But back then, you're immediately drawn in. And I'm sure other studios would be like, well, we don't need that scene, just get to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and what is not understood, you know, Peter Jackson, with the making of the Lord of the Rings movies, really uh, pioneered. The, the pickups or the reshoots, they sort of built those into the Lord of the Rings films because the idea that you're going to get lightning in a bottle, right. that you're just going to go out and you're going to capture during principal photography all this perfection and all this wonder for all these movies that have in all these moving parts is, is absurd. So they went back and they would do sometimes 60 days of pickups on the Lord of the Rings movies right. after they cut it together. In, in the two towers, the Ents did not attack Isengard until the 11th hour while they were scoring the film in England they were coming up with, we have to have the Ents attack. How can you, no one would believe that the Two Towers didn't have that scene where right. all the Ents attack. Sure. They were coming up with that stuff literally at the 11th hour. You know, Samwise narrating the end of Two Towers. That was something they decided very late in the game and they were able to, to fix it and put it in. And I'm sure glad they had that scene. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, right. I mean, it's it's and and I think that this idea, the the fan community, people who haven't these kids are like, well, there's it, this movie's in trouble. No, it's not. They looked at it, and there's a huge investment now. Every movie's costing 150 to 250 million dollars. Right. I mean, I remember when Terminator 2 was going to cost 100 million. People were like, oh my god, a movie costs 100 million dollars, and it was money. made in nine months. Now, <laughs> the amount of the amount of money that is being spent on these films and the people that are beholden to this money, it's a lot. Well, you know? these films, not, I mean, and here's the thing is like, you know, myself included, get irritated when they take a film away from the director, like change out directors or change out stories or are like, hey, we've test screened this and we're redoing 50 percent of the movie. It's like, why even bother shooting the, the first 100 percent if you're going to redo the other 50? Why not get the story right first? Why, it, those are the things that boggle the mind when you think about television where they're like, hey, we've got. All these, you know, all these episodes are all outlined. We are making all of them. I've worked in television for years, for 15 years, producing 10 to 20 shows a year. And it's like, you don't have time to second guess. What you're relying on, all the people involved in that room with you, is to make sure the story is working, whether you're writing it or directing it or producing it or overseeing the animation or editing it. Every single person has a job, and that's to like make sure that script works from beginning all the way to the end when you hand it off and then it's airing, and you can't change it after that. So I feel like we're not doing test screenings for TV shows. That's my big beef about mm-hmm. test screenings for movies. Mm-hmm. I feel it's stupid. And it's a giant waste of a lot of people's time and energy. Get it right the first time. Like people who bust their ass doing television, then, I mean, you're, you have $100 million that you're spending. Take a little bit more time with the prep work. Don't give someone like David Ayer six weeks to write a goddamn Suicide Squad script. Let him read some comics first. You know, then he wouldn't throw the Enchantress in at the end and ruin the movie. I feel like there's so many issues that happen because people are rushing people through. That's where this failure keeps happening again and again and again. And they're like, oh, well, now we have to delay the film. I have to read. So you're they're causing untold amounts of pain and sorrow with tons of creative people yep. who would have been doing a great job if you gave them enough time to do it right. Mm-hmm. No movie was ever ruined with too much pre-planning. Very true. I mean, post-production, you can only fix so much. You know, uh, you've only you've already got the material that's shot. You can't. <laughs> well, in a in a perfect world, I think it would be great what you both are saying. But unfortunately, these studios and and I don't want to stump for the studios, but the studios have this pressure on them from the board of directors from that money that you're talking about, John, and the shareholders and the shareholders, and they want stuff quickly because they make money off these films being successful. Also, the irony the, is, though, hold on, Jay. Uh-huh. The irony is that if those films don't become successful because they're rushing and because they're rushing because the shareholders want something quickly, there's where the whole chicken and the egg type situation pops up. Well, you, that's because you have all these studios outside of Marvel and Disney looking at one thing, looking at Marvel and Disney. Mm. Hey, they're successful. Let's do what they did. Right. And you can't. Right. You can't just jump into being where they are now. This is 10 years built up. Right, and built over, I mean... It, you, you had Iron Man, Man 1 and Iron Man 2, 2. before Avengers. Right. You had Thor. You had Captain, Captain America, America, the first Avenger. Imagine if one of those films hadn't worked. Hey, imagine if they test screened Avengers Infinity War. That's not happening. Guess what? Test screening is outmoded. It should have been got, put away in the 70s. It, we live within a, in a world where the internet exists, and we're still doing outmoded test screenings with 100 people brought into a theater that they don't know what they're seeing, and then their, their opinion counts after thousands of people busted their ass to write a script and yep. make a film. Those people's opinions count. 
It's insanity. That's what I, I honestly think. It's totally stupid. They should be done away with this archaic way of making movies. Nobody test screens films that they know are working. Mm. Why? Because they took the time and they know they're working. That's I mean, when did they did they test screen Doctor Strange? Prop, I, that's what I'm saying. I never heard of one test screening of any of these Marvel films. Well, look, I do think test screening has their place. Working on comedies... I think test screening is, is, is a good process. I mean, I directed a comedy. I'm editing a comedy now. And there's nothing like putting a comedy in a room full of people because not only do you hear their laughter, you can feel it when they're not laughing. Right. And I think, I mean, it, it, there's nothing worse than, than, than not hearing. Or you can literally, it's a presence. It's a physical presence that you can feel if it's not, if a comedy isn't working. I get and it. And then I, it can work. But, it can, but like, you know what? They don't but you have already laugh have tracks on TV shows anymore either. Well, then all they do, some do, unfortunately. Well, they should get rid of them. That's what I'm saying. I think, you know, as things change, older things have to go away and put, get put in a box. Well, the, the, the problem with, I think, the, the screening process, like you've pointed out before, they're asking leading questions. Mm. They're saying, they're asking your audience, what part didn't you like? What right. part did you feel was slow? Well, somebody's going to give you an answer to that question because you're being asked. You're it. forcing mm-hmm. them. You know, you're forcing them. You're, and that is leading to me. Uh, look, if you're, if you're watching an action film where everything is, is exploding at the end and it's not exploding in the beginning... What parts are slow? You're judging it in relation to the movie you just saw. Right. Well, compared to the last 30 minutes, the first half an hour wasn't what, as what fast. What part didn't work for you? <laughs> so Get out of those here. questions are not great questions. They're dumb questions. All of it's horrible. Sorry, that's how I feel. But you know what? Characters, which characters that haven't been made yet, are they just impossible? Can we not make uh, Mike Allred's Mad Men or Howard Chaikin's American Flag or Frank Miller's Martha Washington? Are some of these characters that these are uh, all created in the 80s and 90s i mean these are characters story arcs that are super politically charged action-packed incredible adventures i mean look we've been talking about making an, Amer- an american flag series forever and now like some luke company Passan's actually company yeah, luke Passan, but what are they called europa corp or whatever they're they're developing that what do you think martha washington I- Talk about a movie that needs to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, why why somebody hasn't snapped that up and made it now, especially in the post-Black Panther world? Yeah, it's I insanity. Mean, well, I mean, you know why? Because people aren't putting the effort in. They're like, oh, what's, what's available online? People have to do some deep research to understand the That's history a, of comic books. You have to have people who know comic books. I mean, I'm not going to give anybody my hardcover omnibus, my slipcase No one gets mine either, baby. Omnibus <laughs> of Marvel Washington. Yeah. But I mean, you know, anybody that watches Homeland or watches the Americans mm. and loves outer space adventure, you know, uh, Martha Washington has it all. Yeah. You know, it's uh, imagine if, if, if Okoye was decided to leave mm. the... the Dormalaji that decided to go to work for the United States. She would be perfect. That actress would yeah. be perfect oh, for Martha yeah. Washington. Perfect. I mean, get that actress on Martha Washington right now. I mean, heroes are always helping people cool. make films. <laughs> get that and go. There you go. You know, up, Jay? Well, I was like, why she got to leave? Why she got to leave Black Panther? No, she doesn't have to leave. She could do that in no, the intro. She, she leave Walking Dead. I though. think that's the thing. Yeah, she definitely yeah, leave Walking Dead. I think again, people have to know that these properties exist and that. These aren't one. Some some properties that these studio heads think, oh, how many people know about this? Because if they don't think a lot of people know about it, they don't want to take a chance on it. And yeah, that's what marketing departments are for. Right. And, well, I mean, but for your point, though, it's like a lot of people didn't. I mean, the world didn't know who the hell Iron Man was. This is right? very. They this were is, like, 
obviously there were tons of animated shows and we all right. grew up with watching super friends and stuff. And so, I mean, but it's like, you know, you have to take, that's the chance that a lot of people are now taking with where they're by Mark, Mark Miller's world mm. or Rob Liefeld's world. And they're mm. like, Netflix is like, no, that's an established universe that we could take and form for our new thing. But you have a, you had a star coming back like Robert Downey Jr. Who everybody was like, let's see what happens. Yeah. Cause this was his comeback. Right. Everybody was like, Let's see what happens. And because, of course, Iron Man was a lesser-known character, you had somebody who was, let's see, let's see how this goes, and it both turned out perfect. Yeah. And so then people were like, wait, what? And then, like you said, you go to Iron Man 2. You're like, wait, so not only do we have Robert Downey Jr., we switched off from Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you add the element of Mickey Rourke in. I mean, Mickey Rourke in, no matter how you felt about him, you add that element in, so now you, and then Scarlett Johansson's yeah. character is more developed Black now. Widow, yeah. You know, you're starting to see more with John Favreau as the character Happy Hogan. Right. You know, you're developing more things, and people are like, wait a minute, I'm into this. But if you go back and you look at Iron Man 1, it's really a simple story. There's no apocalyptic ending. It's, a, it's an internecine struggle between yes. two guys in a company. Right. One decides, let's not make weapons anymore, and the other is like, now we're making a lot of money making weapons. Right. Let's get you, we're, let's have the board vote you out. Right. I mean, the climax of Iron Man 1 is literally a corporate struggle <laughs> amongst two co- company owners. But dressed up the, in giant iron outfits. Yeah. Yeah. On top of the corporate building. Yeah. 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 With some dad issues thrown in. Right. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it works really, really well. I yeah. mean, and, and and it doesn't have to be that way. And if you look, Iron Man 1 works because of the character of Tony Stark as portrayed by Robert Downey Jr. And it's, it's a film that, that is not a quote-unquote superhero movie, even though it is. Right. But Iron Man himself appears not a lot of that movie. Yeah. It's Tony Stark and his, his plight. Yeah, and his final realization that he's gonna he's not there's no reason to have a secret identity. I mean those are those are the kind of things that really work because then it reveals like, hey, Tony Stark is Iron Man and everybody knows it in the next also movie. Also made it work. One of the things I love about Iron Man that a lot of people didn't pay attention to, this was the one of the very few times we saw a superhero development. Mm-hmm. We watched Tony Stark make the suit. Mm-hmm. How many times do you see somebody, he's tinkering with it, he's playing around with it. We watch the test, his test footage right. of different things. So you watch this whole process. It wasn't just, I'm going to make the suit, boom, I put it on here. And by the way, those scenes are hugely entertaining. Yes, yes they are. You don't Very need much. a bunch of action scenes where people Very are punching much. each other. Those scenes when he's trying to fly and ends up in the wall or flies through the, you know, the right. roof of his house. So let's, let's get back on track. I don't want to talk about Iron Man because yeah. that's a success. I right. want to talk about right. why are people not taking chances with some of these smaller properties. Now, like as a case in point, you guys are talking about Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And that's a studio's like, well, I want a big hit like Iron Man. Let's get, uh, let's buy Mike Allred's Madman and make that our Iron Man. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't work because you're not looking at the right property. Right. Madman, mm-hmm. who Robert Rodriguez has had for years and eventually had to go back to Michael Allred, so that, that property is still not getting made. We've heard it getting made. It's not been made. Now it's heard it. So, because it, that property itself, just to take what Madman is, it's a trans, it's a very fun and bubbly and big pop art experience it's a fun mm-hmm. science fiction and superheroes and yeah. supernatural and horror elements all mixed into one thing it's not iron man so if you want to make iron man you have to look at other properties that could be more like what your mm-hmm. iron man you want to make or you would buy Mad Men and say i want to say make something no one else has made before i want to be the first in line to to bring this type of a character mm-hmm. to either a television series or to the film. And it requires vision. I mean, I, American Flag's one of my favorite comics of all time, but really it's a satire of America. Right. You know, it's a send-up of America and the time that America finds itself in right now. 
God knows, were ripe for satire. Yeah. And in a, in a strange way, Martha Washington is also a critique mm-hmm. of, of the United mm-hmm. States and where Definitely. we're going as a nation. And if there's ever something that could be more vibrant and vital right now, both of those properties properly handled could be incredible films that and, could go on for a long time. And Martha Washington crosses that line as well because uh, it's based. some of it is based on Anne Rand's book, which is like the basis of a lot of the red state's feelings, right? So you can cross over from blue state to red state and not have that kind of... Uh, uh, Put that kind of thing on it. Oh, it's, right. a, it's a Hollywood film. It's a Hollywood super. Can this you imagine? Appeal more and speak more politically and represent both sides in the situation. Right. It would be an incredible take. For I'd love to see you. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. My, my apologies, Ron. And to put her character where it's centered at, where it starts in Chicago. In Chicago, right? You know, again, things like that that happen with this day and age. Mm-hmm. What things we need, we ex- we express. This is going on. But you have to also, to go back to the Iron Man point, just to say, you need the right person to cast, be cast yeah. that, as that role. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the, you need that, that casting person who says, this person is going to bring the people to the box office. Yeah, they're going to embody that role. Yep. But I also think the right studio has to handle it. I, and, I do ref, and I'm going to make a, a wrestling reference. You know, Back in the old days, they had the NWO. You would take a mid-card wrestler, slap those three letters on their chest, and all of a sudden, you they could start it. winning <laughs> matches and become this great thing. And that's what you do. If Marvel took this property and did something with Martha Washington, people would be like, oh, if they chose it, there must be a reason they chose it. There's something good to watch here. I'm going to go see it. It Im- immediately puts well, more butts in the seats. Well, Marvel has that brand. Exactly. So that's what the a lot of the studios really are looking for is how do they create a brand. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like what we're talking about is how you uncreate a brand, how right. you ruin brands. But it's like by following suit, by following some of the things, the creative decisions and chances that Marvel mm. took with Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a giant risk. Mm-hmm. You got a talking tree yep. and a baby raccoon in a space adventure. I yeah. mean, that's a giant risk. No one would think it's a risk now, but think right. back a year before it came out. Everybody, when they first announced it, I remember when I first heard about it, it was at, at the screening of the Avengers. A friend of mine told me that. I did mop. I thought he was lying to me. I was like, <laughs> why are you lying to me? I know it's the Hulk. Why are you trying to clown me? I thought we were friends. I was pissed at him because I thought he was lying to me because I was like, they're not making Guardians. That's, that's way too out there to make that that movie out of this whole list of films they could do all these other characters why would they do that because they were like look we're going into space and we've picked these characters as the way that we're going to open this entire cosmic universe and they were right and i mean i feel like taking these chances let's move on i want to i'll get to your point in a second marvel's fool killer dc's inferior five Images the darkness. I mean, I could list off so many different characters who are either too scary or creepy or horror or super goofy or unrealistic, but in the right hands, in the right creative hands, every single one of these characters can be translated, made into a TV series or a fantastic, amazing original film. It's just like taking the right time, finding the right creative people to be involved and doing it right. That's what every single one of these characters needs. Well, Legion is a perfect example. Of yes. Who, who would have thought that Legion <laughs> yeah. would be a TV series no based on, on the Sienkiewicz Claremont vision for that character in the, in, in the teens or the 20 issues right. of New Mutants? But to uh, your point, they got Noah Hawley, someone who mm-hmm. killed it with Fargo. And yep. it's like when you get someone so creative and you're like, this man took a, se- a mo- one of my most beloved movies, Fargo, and, series. and when he's, oh, there's a Fargo series, I was already hate, I was so pre hating on. I was like, it's garbage. And then we watched it, and I fell in love. And the second season was even better. Third season, incredible. I mean, like, I mean, that's what I mean. I, I feel like when you have these kinds of series, 
Noah Hawley's name attached to Legion, even though I thought it was goofy and stupid, the idea of it, like, it can't possibly work. But if it was going to work, they got the right guy to make it work, and it worked. And, and, that's, and I think that's what you need, is you, you, you've got these people at the top that are making decisions not based on anything other than, well, we have to have this, and this could work maybe if you don't have somebody that's going, I know this will work. Mm-hmm. Kevin Feige is going, okay, James Gunn has made Slither, you know, and he's made Super. Both of those movies were less than $3 million. I'm going to hire him to direct a $150 million franchise film. No other executive in Hollywood would have done that. Right. None. Only Kevin Feige yeah. did. All these other executives can say they might. Well, you didn't. And, <laughs> and, and did. Kevin Feige did. He's the only one that did because he's got... Same with the Russo brothers. Right. You know, how many feature films did they make? One before they directed... Captain right, and mainly they Soldier. were doing Community, which they is were, a, yeah, a comedy Absolutely. Series. Feige is looking, and he's, he's able to make that leap. And it's not based on box office performance. He's going with his gut, and he's looking at someone's creative talent and going, you know what? You're doing that on Community. I'll let you kick ass making a, a $150 million Captain America film. That is the kind of vision that exists nowhere other than Marvel Studios. Sure. We say these properties that people don't really take serious. You've got two right now. New Warriors is supposed to be coming out. Right. Nobody thought people we would ever see Squirrel Girl. Eventually, mm-hmm. when it comes out, right. and the Runaways, right? The Runaways was something. I was like, "What? You're gonna do what?" They have a second season ordered very quickly. It was right. good. It was good. And so people didn't think these shows would work, and they would think, "Oh, these aren't too serious. People won't connect. They won't relate to them." Right. Runaways is a story about teenagers that don't really. Ha- all of them don't have powers. Yeah. They have to develop different things. And you watch the struggle with the parents being evil, but not as evil as they are in the comic books. And so it worked. So you have to take those chances. You have to have those studio execs of Feige who looks and says, this can work. Well, I think, I think we, we, on the flip side, we've, we saw them take a chance with Inhumans, but they bungled it, and they oh, did a horrible yeah. job. That's they why just, they, they hired all the wrong people and yeah. rushed through it. I mean, and, and that's what you get when you do that. It's not, it's, it wasn't Marvel was impervious to damage. Mm-hmm. It was like, look, this before it came out, you could when you saw the trailer, like this looks really low rent and garbagey, but it's the Inhumans. I have to go see it. And I remember being so angry after spending like twenty four dollars. I went to go see it in IMAX. I was like, <laughs> I was so angry. I so just thinking about it right now. I'm angry. I was yeah. like, because it was such a gigantic waste of everyone's time with characters that should have been done right, that they were going to do as a feature film, which probably would have been fantastic if done the right way. So you could see how characters, are when they're handled by the wrong people who don't understand what they're doing, latched onto a low-budget, cheap aesthetic and a bad, a, just a bad approach to it, they could screw up anything. Even something as great as what the Inhumans could have yep. been totally screwed up, and now it's damaged for at least a few years yeah. before we could even return to that. What do you think about like you know characters that have been damaged can they return in how long oh that's a good question um shoot well what, what with the humans obviously we got to wait a bit but what's the most recent one that people have been complaining well, about? justice league iron, I mean, just iron fist iron fist I, for t- iron fist on tv yeah but they're already shooting they're shooting iron fist yeah. too. i mean netflix has that like well look all right we got those 13 these didn't really work i mean the the, the, the latter half of luke cage didn't work nope. for me yeah, yeah, yeah. uh defenders kind of petered out after the third or fourth after they had that giant fight in the in the building right. i was like yeah. man i just saw the best scene from defenders i think it was episode three because the ninja fight at the end though it was cool with like the needle drop Wu tang stuff i just was like look man i'm bored yeah. with them fighting ninjas in a weird you know dinosaur backbone or whatever the hell was going on but then they came back with punisher which is maybe the punisher greatest one they've ever done was was top notch yeah and jessica jones season two i liked i, I like jessica jones and, and, and going back to the martha washington stuff they explored the idea of kids being 
experimented on in their brains about being heroes. So, so there's stuff, there's elements there that, that work still for the Netflix. But I think, Justin, I think that's a good thing to bring up because we, don't, we have a good Wonder Woman. We have what may possibly be a good Aquaman. And we All, had a good intro with Man of Steel. We did, we did, absolutely. I will always be on that in that camp. And Henry Cavill is great as Superman. So what do we do here? Do we start all the way? Do we go all the way back? We're doing Shazam. We're doing the Flashpoint now. And Wonder, do we Wonder Woman 2 is Wonder being Woman made. Like, do they sit back with Justice League 2 for, I think, five years and then maybe come back with a Justice League 2? Because the Batman stuff, who is a central pillar to the Justice League, right. has not been settled yet. You know, right. it, I'm gonna, I, I, I mentioned the hip-hop artists, Eric B. and Rakim, the, sure. uh, on this show. Now, when Rakim started, when Rakim started uh, his flow, his rap flow, <laughs> mm-hmm. was very different from the rap flow of the mm-hmm. coming out of the late 80s. Right. He, was, uh, uh, he was very jazzy. He had a different syncopated rhyming style. And that's what set him apart. And a lot of people criticized that. But he was a student of music. He was mm-hmm. a student of jazz. He brought something new to hip-hop that didn't previously exist. Mm-hmm. That's what Noah Hawley brought. Mm-hmm. to Legion, yeah. right. and that's kind of what we need to happen uh, with these characters. You need people that are going to come take approaches that are fresh and that are new, and we need to have executives that believe in that yeah, kind of talent. That's a very good analogy, because if you're taking a 90s music, and you're, you want to have somebody being the Nirvana mm. of Fool Killer. You yes. want to have... You want to. We're at that point now where we, we're like, the status quo is Marvel, and we're like, that they're the unbreakable chain for the most part of all their, you know, phase one, two, three... Four is probably going to be just like off the hook, just like we are imagining. We want now what we want is something that's like what's over here, what's over there. That's where we want to be. Let's look at DC TV. Mm-hmm. The as much as people may say whatever they want about the Arrowverse and the characters, they took characters you didn't care about and have made. Arrow was a character a lot of people didn't care about. It is on its sixth season, mm. potentially be renewed for its seventh. They made their own The Flash going into five seasons. The Legends of Tomorrow is the most one you have to... These are the most obscure rogue characters mm-hmm. you did not care about are on their third successful season. Going into a fourth. Going into With a fourth. Constantine, yeah. With Constantine. Supergirl, for what it's worth, switching networks, mm-hmm. going into another season, and now Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. You know, to the credit of Salim Akil and Mar Brock Akil. These characters that many people didn't catch on to because they're not big screen characters per se. Right. But on the small screen, they work phenomenally. Well, Berlanti's done a great job of yes. that. I mean, Once again, they, there's one person. You've got yeah. a visionary who's, and there's a tone that they've struck. I mean, yeah. the fact that those characters all work together, again, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's amazing that Thor works with Iron Man, who works with Captain America, mm-hmm. That these, and then you add Ant-Man to the mix, and you add all these crazy, the idea of doing Again, doing different genres of film, political thriller, the heist movie. Right. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that that works, but again, it requires well, that I'm kind of... I'm glad you brought up the CW because that's one of the DC properties that they're doing right. Mm-hmm. Like, well, everything yeah. that they're doing on TV, it feels like they've got the right leadership. I mean, we're, we're, we were talking about Titans last week, and that's something we're yeah. very excited about because they're taking a lot of the Doom Patrol, Hawk and mm-hmm. Dove, these characters that maybe people who've been reading comics are like, I never thought they'd take a chance with that, let alone doing Teen Titans, yeah. doing it properly actually doing it with the marv wolfman george perez character so they could grow mm-hmm. so they can grow it so i mean i feel like whether or not however that's connected to whatever universe it doesn't matter we've got a cw universe that is kind of inter- interconnected but all of those shows are different legends of tomorrow is like a fun action yes, quest yeah. with a rotating every time it's there at a different location while supergirl and flash and uh, and arrow, arrow all kind of follow that formulaic 
um, source, uh, soap opera storyline mm-hmm. that we were talking about that every single series, no matter what series it is, you need that. There's a formula Black to it. Lightning you need, does it now. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have to have a core group of people and you have to see them going through some kind of trouble, uh, some kind of travel, some kind of adventure, mm-hmm. some kind of from A to Z. That's the, you're watching their story. So mm-hmm. I feel those things are really important. Let's talk about um, massive shared universes. We've got an incredible shared universe on television with the CW. Mm-hmm. Marvel, not so much. They have... They've tried a couple of different things. They have S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, to a lesser degree, it's, it's working yes and no. I mean, we've got Marvel's Avengers, which is the biggest shared universe for 10 years. Every single one of these characters has their own standalone movie or will have their own standalone movie. Or even their own standalone movie will have other characters in it, just like Marvel Team Up or Spider-Man or Iron Man might show up. You never know who's going to be in Captain Marvel or who's going to show up in Ant-Man and the Wasp. We've got... You know, DC's got, they're still trying. They fumbled, but they haven't given up. They haven't called it in. Right. The towel has not been thrown. They're like, look, Wonder Woman, we got Shazam, we got Aquaman. All of those are in play. They are being either filmed or finished right now. So we've got that in play. We don't know what they're going to do next. They have announced like 400 films or whatever. They've been so many, I don't want to go through that list again. We don't know what of the billions of movies. We know they announced New Gods, but that's also after they announced like these other trillions mm-hmm. of films. So at least New Gods has a director. At least Flashpoint has directors. And they supposedly have scripts now too. So those are the ones that Flashpoint and New Gods should be going into some form of production by the end of this year if they are truly going to come out in mm. 2019, 2020. Um, we've got Fox, Deadpool's coming out. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure we're all, everyone here on this table is going to love Deadpool 2. I'm certainly hoping that we are mm-hmm. all going to love Deadpool 2. And then that's it for them. Game over. we got to wait till next year. X-Force is behind it. But I'm just saying, as oh, okay. far as like the, all the films that were coming out now, with oh, their yeah. shared okay, universe, gotcha. Gotcha. they're just in a kind of a state of like, you know, whatever. There are too many test screenings or whatever. So it's like, I guess they'll figure it out by the time Disney absorbs them. So, um, you know, what do you, what do you guys think about these franchises and what can be done to fix them? We don't even need to address Marvel. Let's okay. go right into Fox and uh, DC. Well, you know, I, I think that there was a really interesting example of it, two different studios. But if you look at what happened with The Mummy, the shared dark universe, mm. Marvel's or uh, uh, Universal's dark universe, sure. and then you look at a movie like The Shape of Water, mm-hmm. if The Shape of Water had been their first initial foray into their dark universe, right. introducing the creature from the Black Lagoon, very intimate story. You know, it's still, you had a military man, you had a great villain. I, I mean, I'm not saying that you use exactly the shape of water, but mm-hmm. the idea that it's a monster movie that is character-based, that was fairly self-contained, that was a personal story. Mm-hmm. Instead, they decided to go with The Mummy and go with Tom Cruise and make this giant apocalyptic thriller. and Not they, a horror film, by the way. Yeah, and not a horror An film. Action they had adventure. A, they had a lot of interesting elements, but but it was like the characters were, were secondary to this universe building. And what I've always said on the show, and what I, what my own little phrase is, never put your universe before your characters Mm -hmm. and that was a prime example of doing that when i watched shape of water i couldn't help but think wow if this was the kickoff movie this is how you build a universe you know you've got this government agency that that you see part of and there's these creatures that exist in the world and And who's kicking themselves universal because if they it didn't change anything and it was called the shape of water and it's called the creature they would have had an oscar 
Right. Yep. Oh, of course. They would have had an Oscar for director and best film if they just let Guillermo probably do what he was already planning. Because, of course, he took his, his treatment for Creature from the Black Lagoon and then changed it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we wouldn't have The Shape of Water if they didn't say no to him. So no, and you I'm want- glad they did say no to him to allow him to create his own Creature from Absolutely. the Black Lagoon. So I feel like it's like, you're right, though. The Mummy is, unfortunately, like I saw it, you know, months after it left the theater. I saw it on a plane. And I was like, no, it wasn't. It was. It was like. It was like Waterworld. It didn't suck. Right, I didn't no. think it was horrible. I thought it was okay. But it wasn't like the mummy film that I wanted mm-hmm. to see. I was like hoping that when this shared universe was figured out and they had Bride of Frankenstein being made by Bill Kahn and they were like all these different film, these characters that would all cross over in the shared universe terminology, but with horror characters done anew. That's what I was looking forward to. Mm. The Mummy had elements of that, but overall was just like you went the way over in the other direction the yeah. wrong way it got in the weeds it yeah. forgot mm-hmm. what i mean those those movies are intimate films frankenstein the wolfman dracula and and the mummy yes were, were not gigantic movies they were movies that took place in rooms tiny mm-hmm. tiny films and like a dude is like i'm gonna turn into a werewolf it's like very small yeah you, you but say? you can't yeah you couldn't do that when it comes to universal right they were going they had this big idea right you know you have tom cruise launching your entire shared universe He's not going to do a typical horror film. Right. He's an action star. Yep. <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless he's given you know a movie like what they needed to do was concentrate on something like Jerry Maguire, you know, or concentrate on Vanilla Sky and and mm-hmm. and make it that. If you could see Jerry Maguire as a horror film, I'm not saying that it has to be like that, but that was a story of a man. You right. know, it wasn't the story of some apocalyptic struggle against the forces of darkness. You could make the mummy version of Jerry Maguire, mm. you know, where you have a man who's trying to find the best version of yep. himself, and in confronting this horrible, timeless right. evil, he finds that person. Yeah, not Aqua Mummy and a bunch of other, like, no. we have swimming mummies. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make right. a film. Well, and I think what's really important is you got to, look. I know we're not supposed to reference or talk about Marvel with this particular subject, but... You have to understand what works. Some things just work. And I think establishing these individual standalone films and then alluding to a larger universe piece by piece, step by step, seeing what clicks with the audience, what they grab onto, monitoring the social media reactions to your first couple of standalone films, that's how you lay the groundwork. You lay the foundation from there, and then you introduce new characters, and step by step you build the world. Just like anything else. You play a video game, you build the world. You play Sims, you're building the world. You don't go, here's the whole world. You go step by step, piece by piece. You build the thing. And I think what you're saying, but you both are saying are correct. You work on the human beings first, make them relatable, make them atta- make their struggle something that the audience themselves have struggled with or dealt with, and you make it universal. And by making it universal, then you get the people in, you write the good story, get the good cast, then you build a universe from there out, and then you have a huge tree. A tree does not start out just... Right. Well, it's like step by step. The problem is everybody wants it. those ducats. And, and they right. look at Avengers money. But you can do that uh, but the with problem, the standalone stuff. But the problem is you, 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 when you're looking at Avengers making $1.5 billion, right. mm-hmm. somebody looks at Warner Brothers and goes, well, why aren't we making $1.5 billion? And the executives want $1.5 billion. Right. People forget Captain America, the first Avenger, grossed about $350 yeah. million worldwide. Yeah. Right. It was not, and, and same with Thor, and same uh, Iron Man made a little mm, bit more. Right. But these were not billion-dollar movies now. Now even Black Panther mm-hmm. is a billion-dollar film. Biggest which ha- superhero film Biggest superhero America. domestically. Yeah. But yeah. the only reason that's happening is because... They built they, it up. They built it up. And that's a, so but when also, an executive says to you, I need the $1.5 billion, great, Sit back down, Chet. We got to build and it stop up. And stop laying everything out. Right. Universal's problem was they laid everything out. 
if they would have never told yep. us yes. they were going to do a universe yes. and surprised us, right. that would have been the best thing. But because they said, hey, we're doing the dark universe. Right. So we knew everything was coming out. He, he, and so you had that. You expected, oh, what am I going to see in the mummy? What he, am I going to see in the mummy? By the way, the only, the only creative entity in Hollywood who should have been running that was Guillermo del Toro. Probably. No, I, I, that's very true. And I mean, to Jay's point, they had, a, they had Iron Man. And they had the Hulk. Yeah. And they that had the Iron it. Man. They were like, at the last minute, they had Nick Fury show up at a post-credit thing. And then the Hulk and say, had the Tony Avenger Initiative. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Avenger Initiative. All of us sweaties were like, what? And then literally the next scene, even though the Hulk wasn't that good, they show Iron Man shows up. I heard you got a Hulk problem or whatever. They're starting to connect those universes. They hadn't announced Avengers yet no. when Iron Man was right, right. being made. But that's the thing, John, and I think this is really important in the studios. If anybody's listening from the studios, stop being cocky. People don't like it. Yeah. You go predict out seven Power Ranger movies. Don't be cocky, because then you're assuming that I'm going to like your movie. The very first the one. thing with Ryan Johnson, give him a trilogy. We don't know yet what people are going to respond to Last Jedi. Now, there's, now they're in this quagmire of crap with this whole situation, and you're like, that's the thing. Don't get cocky. Be confident. Don't get cocky. People don't like cocky. And yeah, it, it's great for the nerds that are in the room clapping their right. their, Yeah, but when you go to the outside, the people are actually going to put the $1.85 well, in your By in the way, your, Neither do shareholders. Yeah. Shareholders like they they like, if you're investing money, what you want is you want to expect the people that are using your money to tell you the truth. Tell them, don't tell the public. Or, There's or, the difference. Or, or show. I mean, all they do is they affect the stock price. People talk. Sujihara mm. was working on his merger with AT and T, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it becomes the thing where you guys you gotta earn, earn money. Money is what did what did uh, uh, money one is twice as sweet as money earned? Is that yeah. what Paul Newman <laughs> said in the Color of Money? Well, earn it. Win that money. Win the money through your work. So Man of Steel, Green Lantern, I think came out the year before or two years before Man of Steel. Uh, Green Lantern? Yeah. I think it was two years before Man of Steel. So, I mean, we've, we, and we had Superman Returns like two years before mm-hmm. that. Yep. So I feel it was like this kind of a thing where DC has not really done what Marvel Studios, when they got, Marvel Studios kind of broke off, got a big chunk of, ch- of money before they got absorbed by Disney. Yeah. Iron Man and Hulk was before they got absorbed by Disney. Mm-hmm. So remember that. It's like before yeah. the yeah. mouse bought them, yep. they were like, we got this money, we got like right. 50 or 100, I don't know, 500 million, some chunk of money where they're like, we're going we're gonna to make our own films. Yeah. For the first time, mm-hmm. they'd gotten enough of their characters back from like leasing and selling them out. They got them back. We're gonna, now we're going to make our films. So they had a plan. Yeah. And then DC, knowing that they had a plan, didn't follow suit with their plan. They were like, and they were ahead of the game back then. Mm-hmm. They were ahead yeah. of the game. Yeah. Marvel, the, all the disparate, all their characters that they had sold off. You have X Men over here. You have Spider Man over here. In the early aughts, mm-hmm. were making crazy money, not for Marvel. Or the owners of eventually for, DC, yeah, I'm sorry, Disney. But it's like when they started to get their characters back, that's when the plan emerged. Warner Brothers has always had their characters mm-hmm. and still fails to make this plan. So if you, I feel like even though we're still in this area, let's list off these, some of these characters. We've got Captain America. We've got Superman. We've got Batman. We've got Iron Man. We've got Wolverine. Now, these characters, the, just those five characters alone... Billions of dollars, yeah. billions of dollars within their own universes and the, the universes that they've shared. Like Wolverine's been in every X-Men film. So it's like, but we've had the same people playing these characters. Like as for Captain America and Wolverine, mm. Wolverine, Hugh Jackman. That's mm-hmm. the only Wolverine that any of us have ever seen mm-hmm. as a live action. We've seen tons of comic book versions. Tons of writers and artists have drawn Wolverine and written Wolverine. We've got all these different animated versions of Wolverine, but we have only one Wolverine in the 
X-Men universe mm-hmm. so far. With Captain America, we have one Captain America. You have a TV movie with Reb Brown and yeah, some other kind of junkie <laughs> ass 90s movie with rubber ears and whatnot, Salinger. But the one that actually counts is the guy who played the Human Torch, and he was in The Losers, and he was in Push. And you're like, right. oh, they got, why did they get Chris Evans? And then he embodies the role yeah. to the point that now you cannot imagine anyone else mm-hmm. playing or representing the idea of America as well as Steve Rogers, yeah. Captain America, as this one actor. I mean, and it's sort of like even to the point that we were talking about this as well, even to the point that where his even just things he says on Twitter, because the yeah. guy is kind of a righteous dude just on his own. He's not Captain, he's not Steve Rogers, but Chris Evans is a smart dude and I like him as a person just or whatever is his Twitter persona. I don't know him personally, but I'm like, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, I'll retweet that dude. He's cool. So it's like, but he, and he's saying the things that you as an American, as a smart thinking person American who hasn't been tricked knows what's up. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, these characters have run their course and we saw it happen with Christian Bale's Batman. I feel like DC and Warner Brothers were like, ah, oh, we got this. We got this. They had those three movies, you know, obviously they, they did have it because Dark Knight was it. That mm-hmm. was the one of, and still is one of the best superhero films ever made. And Christian Bale embodied Batman. He embodied the Bruce Wayne where we got away from the clown aspect of the other, you know, the other movies where I was like, all right, we don't want to talk about that anymore. Here's the new Batman and the Batman we all should have given you from the 20 years ago from the Batman, the Dark Knight. You know what I, I think doesn't get enough uh, a play, even though everyone recognizes Logan as a great film. Mm-hmm. Logan, what they did, what, what Mangold was allowed to do with Professor X, with Logan, you know, with, with X-23, the fact that a studio allowed that venerable character had been around for as long as he'd been around, they did a wildly divergent thing with Logan. Yep. They made it an R-rated film. They made it very different from the previous X-Men movies. It's that kind of out-of-the-box thinking that they allowed. Look, did it make a billion dollars? No, but it did really, really well. It was critically acclaimed, and it opened up the vista of where a comic book movie could go. Mm -hmm. And I think we need... And that was really interesting thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, you had a filmmaker like Mangold who had done The Wolverine. They let him do his thing. And, and they, they, they reap the benefits of that. But I'm glad you bring that up because it's, it goes back to our earlier point. And why was that successful? I say Logan was just as successful as Deadpool. Both of those were rated R. Both mm. of those took chances. But why were they both successful? In different divergent ways, they were both successful because they allowed those characters to be characters and be the characters that they were in the comic books and embody yeah. the character development. They embodied Logan's development with Professor X from the get, from Professor X and his, their bonding from the very first film. Mm-hmm. Logan was the main character coming into the world of the X-Men and someone who would flip his feral side, which was Professor X. And in the end, it's Logan who has to take care of Professor X when he can't control himself anymore. It's the, it's the yin-yang of their entire situation. Deadpool, on the other hand, completely R-rated, fun, Breaking the fourth wall, but remember that entire story is told through the through the through the timeline of a flashback. You're on a bridge, and Deadpool is constantly looking at you and telling you, "Check it out." Now, and then this thing happened, and it is such a unique and amazing way to tell a story. Not only by keeping the budget small, which mm-hmm. was incredibly smart and thrifty in the screenplay aspect of it, but it also allowed them to jump through time in a way that didn't feel contrived. It didn't feel like we were missing out because we we're being told by the storyteller who is Deadpool. I feel that both films 
work on such different levels, but they work only because you're given enough time to care about the story, the love interest, the love story of Deadpool, mm. and you also and, and Logan and the family aspect. So mm. I feel those soap opera aspects have to play through and be allowed the time, and that's why both of those films actually in the end result succeed, even though they're divert, wildly divergent. One's like hard R, like just a comedy, but you end up caring about those characters. Yeah. Well, it worked. I mean, it's a romance, and it's hard, yeah. you know, for all of its fourth wall breaking and all of its hell's a pop and violence and all that. At the end of the day, the relationship Deadpool has mm-hmm. with his his girlfriend is is mm-hmm. is the heart and soul of that movie, and it works as a romance. Mm-hmm. That's what's so great is you had a visionary director like Tim Miller who's got a lot of balls in the air, but it worked, and that shouldn't that could have been a disaster in oh, other yeah. hands, very yeah. much a so. disaster. Yeah. yeah, but everything everything comes down to that, isn't it? That's the reason where we why we fell in love with comic books to begin with is because we connected to these heroes, we wanted their powers, but we also saw their struggles. Right? That's what as a kid, even as a kid, you're seeing these adult theme themes happening in these books, and you're just like, what? Like first Dark Knight Returns, I was 14 when I read that. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm conceiving of the ending of my life. I don't even know what that's like, right. but here I am seeing it in this character of Bruce Wayne in this way, and it's so fantastic. Spider-Man the same way. I remember being a sarcastic kid, feeling himself a little bit, and not really seeing what the results are of that kind of smartassery, how that could end up being a negative thing for your life and pissing people Logan, off. Logan, X-Men, same thing. Outcast. All of that, uh, yeah. The, when you're a kid That's and you're reading important. these things, you need to embody, you need to, yeah. you need to be those characters, and there's always a character, no matter which one became your yep. favorite, that you identify with. Well, That's why these films, that's why these films, were, those films work. You embody those characters. When you get it right, yeah. And when you get it right, you watch it on screen, you're like, this is the exact same Deadpool I remember from the comic books. Right. This is the fun, loving, wise, cracking. He doesn't care. But again, like you said, the romance. Mm-hmm. You cared about his relationship with Vanessa. You cared. Morena Backer made you care about her character. Yep. Even T.J. Miller made you care about the weasel character. Right. You know, one of the great shared universe movies that is, remains unsung is Creed. And a lot of people forget that Creed is the sixth Rocky yeah. sequel. Yep. Sixth Rocky and if you look at that, you're bringing sequel. back Rocky Balboa. It's the sixth sequel right. to yeah. Rocky. And I, I'm sure that when Kevin Feige was sitting in the movie theater watching Creed, he wasn't thinking at first going, well, I need a black director for Black Panther. He's like, this director, regardless of mm. his race or regardless, here is a filmmaker who went right. on record and said, I, my mother was dying and my father and I watched Rocky movies to get us through this difficult time. Mm-hmm. And he, he, in my mind, Coogler did one of the, the most amazing things. He made probably the best Rocky sequel. I mean, debatable. But in terms of making a movie that was all about characters and yeah. heart mm-hmm. and people, I mean, that's the kind of guy that you want. And, and of course... Kevin Feige's instincts paid off, mm-hmm. and, and, and he was he was able to take uh, essentially. I mean, again, what is Black Panther about if not a struggle between two men who were brought up in different ways and who have different points of view? And, and well, Adonis and also, Creed, you, you empathize more with Killmonger, especially in the first hour, where you're like, I wouldn't actually mind if Killmonger. And then then yeah. things get nasty, and you're like, Nah, <laughs> easy. But you know, Creed you know. is is a movie that if you look at it on paper, if someone said. <laughs> The, the sixth Rocky scene. Well, how is that even going to work? Right. And that is another movie that, from the very beginning, right. you yeah. love. You've got the perfect actor in Michael B. Jordan, but yeah. you love that character because he's a person first and foremost that you love. And 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 that's the, the that that movie works as well as it does. It's a superhero movie. Yeah, we shouldn't walk out of this without talking about Wonder Woman. Same thing. I mean, it's incredible what Patty Jenkins was able to do coming off a of monster ten years ago. Right. Right. Same thing. Yeah. Right? A smaller film, incredible film, really great. Got her Charlie 
throwing their Oscar. Here she is, you know, like uh, playing her trade on TV film, TV episodes, right. which is nothing negative about TV, but she's capable to do feature, comes out, does this thing, makes this relatable. Women are crying in their seats as they're watching. Right. Finally, a representation of themselves yes. that is well-rounded, that is interesting, that is three-dimensional, and they have a love story there to connect to as well, where she's not playing the submissive person or constantly being saved by the hero. You have her standing, her doing her thing, still learning, still being a bit naive about the world. Not stupid, just naive, and understanding in the progression, and all of that works because you have a character that Gal Gadot creates on that island, the mascara, that really works for you as a human being, male Absolutely. or female. And not even just Gal Gadot, the, the entire Amazons. The entire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All of the Amazonians. And right. Pine, too, when he gets his moment yeah, to talk his, about his yeah, dad. Pine. That's she, great she stuff. She creates this world yeah. where it's like, wait, we saw in comic books and in cartoons one thing, yeah. but now we, we're going to put a realistic element of it. Yeah. We're going to take these warriors that you see in movies like 300, you see in Gladiator, but we're going to apply these to women, strong, dominant women, yeah. who've never seen a man who don't need to. And Patty Jenkins nailed it perfectly. Yeah. It was never a moment where you're like, Oh, she's just bashing dudes. You're like, no, she never bashed anybody. Mm-hmm. She she just showed a good story, a strong yep. story. You watched Diana as a little girl. I don't care if you were man or woman, well, regardless, you were anybody, you were touched by mm-hmm. that little girl mimicking all the fights she saw because that's all she knew, all she yep. wanted to be. And yeah, and, and to both of those points, I feel like it, it, it's what we've been talking about for the yep. last hour is like, all of these universes, the shared universes that we've grown to love via through Marvel and all of the different actors who portrayed all of these different characters from the comic book world coming into the television world and the movie world. Mm-hmm. The most important thing is the characters and know, and, 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 and connecting with them, mm-hmm. connecting with their storyline and empathizing with those characters. And mm-hmm. the ones, the successful films are the ones that were allowed the time for those characters to become real. No matter what their powers were, you need to actually feel for those characters, whether they're the villain, whether they're the superhero, yep. you have to actually feel some some kind of emotional str- connection with those characters. Otherwise, just a bunch of action set pieces. I feel like the world of 2018 going into 2019 is in a re- is in a really good place. I feel like you you there's a constant lot of negativity going on. All of us are a little guilty of it when we're like clowning on DC this and that. But it's like, look, it's only because we want we love those characters. We want to see incredible films and television series made from some of our favorite comic book characters and the stories that we've read for decades that exist right now that haven't even been touched that have haven't even been scraped at. And those are from the big, big names like DC and Marvel and Image. And now we're starting to see all these independent comic books getting picked up that we're seeing some of these, some of the comic books that we've been talking about for years here Mm -hmm. on Heroes getting picked up to be turned into series or movies. So it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to share all this. I want to thank my my panel here. We got Jay, we got Robert, we got Roca. We've been rocking it. It's John Schnapp here. Thanks for tuning in and see you on Wednesday. Stay little chico, pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? 
the breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.